I want to preach today on the Holy Spirit. Our verses will be on the screen today. John 14, 14 through 19. This will be a very topical message. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that as long as we have the Word of God. Certainly expository preaching is fine, but Jesus just didn't do it. Did you hear me? Jesus just didn't do it. Jesus didn't say, I never read where Jesus said, okay, let's open the book of Leviticus chapter 1 verse 1. We're going through the entire book. He didn't do that. He would be moved by the Spirit to, to give because he is the Word of God. And so I believe that I do have the mind of the Spirit. I trust that I have God's will in the message today. I prayed over it, and I trust that this is what the Lord has for us. I've titled the message, The Spirit of Truth. Here's the word of the Lord. You, ask, you, you may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a comforter, helper, to help you to be with you forever. How long is he with us? Forever. The Spirit of Truth, there's our title. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. In other words, you've gotten to know him. You've experienced him on a certain level. For he lives with you and he will be in you. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to do something much more powerful in a much more broad way within the family of God. And we see this in the Old Testament. It wasn't that, no, it wasn't that there wasn't anyone that had the Spirit of God in them, but it was very spotty. It was very sparse. God would anoint this prophet or this king or this person to do a certain task. But, but we know that Joel prophesied that God would part his Spirit upon all flesh. Aren't you glad that we are the recipients of that great promise, that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We together is the body of Christ. He says this in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. I'm going to raise from the dead. Come on. We're going to celebrate resurrection soon. But he says, you will see me because I live. You will live also. Our Father today, we recognize today that this is not just any word, this is not just any book, but this is your holy, unchanging, eternal word. Father, I ask that you would let our ears be open, our spiritual ears, to really hear and to absorb and to hear what the Spirit says to the church. We ask your blessing on this today and we ask it in Jesus' great name, amen and amen. So this morning I want to speak on the spirit of truth. Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus is the one who talked more about the Holy Spirit than anyone else. What is the role, what role does the Holy Spirit play in the life of the New Testament church? And I would also ask, what are the evidences that the Holy Spirit is present within a body of Christ, within a church? It, it, it doesn't take long to look into the 
the writings, the historical writings of the first century church, and they realized the first century church was very much a Holy Spirit church. They were guided by the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit. They were inspired by the, by the Spirit of God. The writers were inspired to write the special Word of God, which is not happening anymore. They, they wrote certain men like Paul and Peter and, and, and Matthew and, and, and Mark and John, etc., you know, we read in the book of Acts, you can see the activity of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit in Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and other places. We see it in, in, in different ministries of Peter's ministry, Paul's ministry, great things happening. And I think we have to ask ourselves, because the Word of God in the, in the first century church is our blueprint. This is what God has given of what a church should look like. And will we follow in their footsteps? Will we, will we be a church and seek to be a church empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit of God? What are the characteristics, what are the qualities of a church filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we don't have to wonder because we have the Word of God. The Word of God shows us what that looks like. Now, I, I, would, I would give just a, a note here. I would just give an aside here. I would just give an encouragement here. I would just give an admonition here. That if there's anything that we need in our modern day as Christians, it's discernment. Everybody say discernment. We need discernment. We need to have the Spirit's activity of discernment in our lives. Why, why is that? Because I'm going to tell you this. Not everything purported to be of the Holy Spirit is of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone who says they speak for God is speaking for God. Not everything that's, that, that people say is, you know, this is it, this is that of the Spirit of God. We have to evaluate it by the Word of God. There's many people, even back in Jeremiah's day, there's people they were claiming, they, and I'm sure they were convinced they were speaking for God. But Jeremiah said, don't listen to them. They're speaking out of their own hearts and their own imaginations. Do not listen to them. I am not speaking through them, God said. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 23, 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. So we have these warnings of, to be discerning about these things. Now, I think, and here's just by way of introduction, I won't be long here, but there's two extremes that we can fall into, and both of them are wrong. Two extremes that I see people getting into. One extreme is this. There are people that are almost enemies to the Holy Spirit. There are people today that deny the Holy Spirit's activity. They deny his very, very evident, clear work, validated by the Word of God, validated by the, the character of God, the holy character of God, and yet they deny it, which is very dangerous. How many know to deny or to grieve or to reject the Holy Spirit is a very dangerous thing? We see that it happened in Scripture. It's in Matthew 12. It says this, Matthew 12, 22. This is, a, this is a scripture that's always made my heart kind of sink. Here's what it says. They brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man. He was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Now, if Jesus healed someone, the demon was gone out. I'm sure there had to be a manifestation of some type. It doesn't say there might have been some shrieks. There might have been, he might have fallen on the ground. I don't know what happened, but here's what took place. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the Son of David? Could this be the Messiah? Notice this though. Here's, whew, it's dangerous here. Verse 24. The Pharisees heard this and they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow, notice how dishonoring they are. 
called my Lord this fellow. Mm. I don't ever like to hear people talk loosely about God. It really, really bothers me. This low language about spiritual things. And here are these Pharisees. They're supposed to be the holiest ones. And he says, this fellow drives out demons by Beelzebub. Mm. Jesus knew their thoughts. Every king divided against itself, it will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he, uh, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, whom do your people drive them out? So they are your judges. In other words, Jesus is appealing to logic. He said, what you're saying is illogical. I love how logical the word of God is. But notice this, verse 28. But if by the Spirit of God. How did Jesus cast out the demon? By the Spirit of God. Another place says, by the finger of God. Drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Or how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now listen to this. Are you listening, church? Listen to this. So I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, can be forgiven. But if anyone speaks against the Holy Spirit, will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Do you see what I'm saying? Here is Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate. He's right there. He is God. When you look at Jesus, you see God. You see God manifest in the flesh, working by the Spirit of God, doing the wonder works of God, ministering, healing, and yet they're so blind and hardened, they said, it's by Beelzebub. That's a dangerous place to be in, to deny the evident work of the Holy Spirit. You ever wonder why the blasphemy of the Spirit is the unpardonable sin? You've asked that, hadn't you, in your own heart. Why is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit an eternal sin? Here's the, here's the answer. I would say it this way. The Holy Spirit is the last exit on the road of eternity. The, the Holy Spirit is the last, I mean, the next exit is hell for those that are lost. The last exit is the Holy Spirit pleading with hearts to repent of their sin and receive Christ and be forgiven. But if they bust through the Holy Spirit and say no and harden their heart, they're going to become just like these Pharisees and their heart is so hardened they can never get back to God. It's impossible. It's important that we yield to the Holy Spirit. Hear this. There's nothing beyond the Holy Spirit. Here, there's, when you go beyond the Holy Spirit and you blaspheme Him, there's nothing but oblivion, spiritual oblivion, spiritual hopelessness out there. The Holy Spirit is pleading with us today, run to Jesus, be saved and be pardoned and have eternal life. But there's another extreme that we can get into. And that's the extreme where we're so gullible, we believe anything, we believe everything. Anyone says, anything does. If they say, oh, this is God, we're just so gullible. And we have a, we have a deal of this. We have an illustration of this. Acts chapter 9, 8, verse 9. Acts 8, 9. Here's what it says. And now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced saucer in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was something great. That's a problem. Come on. I mean, you know, when preachers start boasting, woo, trouble, run away. So he's boasting that he was something great. And, and all the people, both high and low, gave their attention and exclaimed, now notice this, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Can you imagine? 
This is his name. Who, is, who are you? I'm the great power of God. And that's what they called him. This is the great power. This guy has it. This guy's of God, but he wasn't of God. He was a false preacher, false sorcerer. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with the sorcery. Now notice this. The great power of God. Here's a note that I put in. The great power of God. Simon claimed to be united to God. The early church fathers claimed that he was one of the founders of Gnosticism. Asserted that there was were a series uh, asserted that there was there were a series of divine emanations reaching up to God. Now listen to this. They were called powers. And the people believed that this Simon was the top of the ladder. If you wanted to get to God, if you wanted a miracle, if you wanted a healing, if you wanted a word from God, if you wanted to touch God, you had to go through Simon. And the crazy thing is, all these people believe that nonsense. I'm amazed at what people fall for. Here's what the Word of God says. 1 John 4, 1. Look at this. 1 John 4, 1, NLT. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit of God. Is it clear? Is it clear? Do not believe everything everyone says. You must test them and see if the Spirit, if the spirit that they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. Are you hearing that today? Now listen to me. We don't want to fall on either side of these extremes. We don't want to be so, we don't want to deny the work of the Spirit. We don't want to hinder the work of the Spirit. We want to receive the work of the Spirit given by the risen Savior Jesus. But we don't want to be so gullible and so undiscerning that we believe everything and we're deceived. We certainly need to have open hearts and loving hearts and welcoming hearts to the Holy Spirit. Yet we need wisdom to be cautious in this incredible day of deception. Can I hear an amen, church? See, the last days will be a day of deception. Signs, wonders, and miracles do not in and themselves testify that something is of God, as I've, as I've read here. So here's the question. When the Holy Spirit is present in a church, in a people, in a group, in a service, or in a person's life, or in a ministry... There are some very definite things that will always take place. Do you want to hear those things today? And they're very simple. Many of you know them. Here's the first thing, that when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is working and manifesting and ministering, the first thing I want you to write down is this, Christ. Write down the word Christ, the title, the name Christ. The Holy Spirit will always exalt who? Come on, who will will the Holy Spirit exalt? Here's what it says the Holy Spirit does. Here's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. It says in in John 16, when when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Notice verse 14. He will glorify me. He will glorify me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus Christ in all of his magnificence, in all of his glory, and that's what we're to be centered in. This church, we want this church to be centered in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a great place to say amen. Hallelujah. We want to be centered in Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit exalts the, the fulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament. There's some 300 or so prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament. He fulfilled every single one of us. And the, the, really, if people were really uh, 
if they were really honest and really wanting to find if Jesus was true and real, it's impossible. The probabilities are impossible that any one person could fulfill all those hundreds of prophecies. But you know who did? Our Jesus did. And so the, the Holy Spirit exalts those prophecies. The Holy Spirit exalts the miraculous virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that, Pastor? Absolutely. Why? Wow, the Word of God says so. It exalts his sinless life. I mean, you know, he never sinned. He's perfect in every way. He exalts the great miracles of Jesus because the miracles of Jesus are very unique to Jesus. The, the miracles of Jesus declare that he is deity, declare that he's someone very special. He's the very son of God. There's signs. There's signs and wonders that pointed to him that he is the very son of God. The Holy Spirit wants to exalt the death of Jesus. And we take communion and we celebrate the death and the wounds of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit also doesn't leave us there. He exalts the great resurrection of Jesus. And we know that he was resurrected by the power of God on the third day. He exalts the high priestly ministry of Jesus. For 2,000 years he's been interceding for us. He's been ministering and receiving our prayers and our praises but the Holy Spirit also exalts the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get ready for the coming of Jesus. And this is what Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is pressing upon us the life and the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspires us as ministers and leads us as ministers to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If a minister is full of the Spirit of God, he's going to proclaim Jesus. He's going to declare Christ and the message of the gospel. I'm, our focus should be Christ. Peter, uh, Philip went down to Samaria. Look at this. Acts chapter 8 verse 5 says, And Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he started a Ponzi scheme. And he started a self-help club. And he started a, a, you know, a, a therapy group. No, it says he went down to Samaria, city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. That was his message. I am very troubled at how many sermons you hear today that are just absent of Christ. In fact, I would think they need to be relabeled. It's not gospel messages, but really humanistic self-help messages. Messages that are not focused on the redemption of Christ or our life in eternity. Did you ever notice how much of the, of the scriptures tell us to get ready for eternity? Get ready for eternity. Forsake this world. Don't hold on to this world. Don't love this world. That's the true gospel. But the false self-health gospel is, it's going to get better now. we got to have better now. we got to have a new car now. We have new houses now. We need more now. We need more stuff now. That's not the gospel. The gospel is centered in the Lord. Listen to what Paul preached. Here's what Paul said the gospel is. You want to hear it? Come on. You want to hear it? Here it is. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are saved. If, everyone say if, if you hold fast that word which was preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, and that which you also received, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. How about let's be a gospel-preaching church? Listen, if you're going to be a Holy Ghost church, if you're going to be a church filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus is going to be preached in all that we do, in all the sermons, in all the classes, in all 
all that we do, we're going to center upon Jesus and his great love that he died and rose again to redeem us. And this is Paul. I think, we, I think preachers can get involved in a lot of different stuff. Paul would not tolerate it. Paul said this in, Gal- in 1 Corinthians 2.2. He said, I determined to know, nothing among, uh, nothing, to know anything among you, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. He didn't go to their Lions Club or their Rotary Club. He didn't get involved in all the, the city activities. Paul, had, Paul was a one-lane man. And Paul's one lane was Jesus Christ and his cruci- the crucified Christ that can redeem. Come on. You want to be Holy Spirit people? And I tell you this, Holy Spirit always exalts Christ. Holy Spirit leads us to worship Jesus. And Jesus alone, I thrill today to hear the name of Jesus in our lyrics. I thrill today. Why? Because so many thought songs over the last 20 years, for, there was a season that they became so generic and so vague, you didn't know if you were singing a worship song or a love song. I mean, literally, you could have you sang that song in some ungodly relationship, and it wouldn't have been any different. Why? There was no specificity to it. There was no specific gospel, the name of Jesus. I remember one pastor, one famous pastor, one godly pastor said he went to a church and they sang songs and he said, I felt like I was in the Old Testament. There was no mention of the blood, no mention of redemption, no mention of the cross, no mention of the death, no mention of the coming of Christ. they, They had the people in the Old Testament. How about let's lift up Jesus? Come on. How about let's lift up the name of Christ? There is no other name above that name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Do you realize that the name of Jesus is unique to the New Testament church? They didn't know it except Joshua in the Old Testament, but we know now who he is. He's come near to us. He, he was incarnate. He came 2,000 years ago, and he said his name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Shout hallelujah. Come on, I'm telling you, let let us worship Jesus. Let us proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Hear me, the Holy Spirit doesn't exalt denomination. He doesn't exalt poor little preachers. He doesn't exalt egos. He doesn't exalt styles or cultures, and we're all caught up into this, but he exalts Jesus and Jesus alone. When we get full of the Holy Spirit, we want Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to tell about Jesus. We want to praise Jesus. Worship Jesus, proclaim him. Why? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And if he's in us, Christ will be exalted. Are you with me? Christ will be exalted. Do you remember the, remember the singer? He lived out east of here in Tyler area, Lindo area, Keith Green. He was, killed in a, he was killed in a plane crash. He was a young man, caught up in new age and caught up in whatever. But Jesus saved him, truly saved him. Go back and listen to him. I know it's kind of old stuff. Go back and listen to him. Go back and listen to the clarity. He's got a, he's got a series of teachings, and it's called Whatever Happened to the Gospel. And I tell you, that guy had it right. He had it right. Whatever happened to the gospel? And he preaches as clear as I'm preaching this morning. He sang a song, Your Love Broke Through. Here's what Keith Green said way back there before he died. He said this, and I, I posted it. I forgot to give credit, but so I'll give credit today. Many in our modern day, this was back then. I wonder what he'd say today. He'd probably be pulling his hair out. Many in our modern day seem to deify the act of worshiping Jesus instead of Jesus 
being the supreme object of our worship. We have made an idol of styles. We made an, we made an idol of cultures. We made an idol of certain things. And in all of that, we've lost Jesus. You realize that, that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Whole churches have lost Jesus. And they're caught up in all the accoutrements and all the side issues. How about let's get back to Jesus today. Come on. Let's get back to Jesus today. Let's worship Him and love Him and proclaim and serve Him and Him alone. Let Him be the center of all that we do. When we pray, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Hell hates that name. I mean, you can say Buddha or Krishna or, or you can do anything. You can say any kind of name. But when you start saying the name of Jesus, people go crazy. You're like, you can't say that here, Jesus. See, you can even say God, Lord. We just so, but you go say Jesus. And I tell you, hell will flip over. Hate the name of Jesus. Why? There's power in that name. Don't let the devil see. Some of you go to prayer, and some of you start praying, and, they, and the devil says, oh, nothing's happening. He's a liar. Things are happening. I can tell you, when we prayed this morning, things will be different because we met at this altar this morning. Prayers will come. We had a, we had a gentleman that came uh, the other day, and I, I'll tell you the story. About two years ago, three years ago now, I was out in front of this building. Whenever, whenever all the, the pandemic stuff was, and everybody was home, and I was here by myself, and a few of us were here. We were trying to stumble along and leave. We were like trying to figure. I mean, they they already had it figured out. I didn't, you know. They're like they they had it going. I give credit to these guys, but I was out front one day, and uh, this guy comes by on a bike, and he may be watching. If he is, God bless you, brother. I won't say your name, but uh, the guy never seen him before. He rode by. We started talking to him. It's a, just listen. Sow some seeds, right? Just sow seeds. They'll bloom one day. So I stopped. I said, hey, you know, I'm always, if, if I wasn't a preacher, I would be a greeter. No, I would, right? I told you that, right? I love being out front when you folks come in. You think I just don't have nothing to do. I love greeting the people of God. I love the family of God. And I love being out there. You may think it's weird. Let me be weird. Right? This, it's, like, uh, it's like that little girl that was in the car seat. She was crying and she was upset with her mama. And her mama said something to her. Instead of saying, leave me alone, she couldn't say it. She said, leave me low me. So I say, leave me low me. But I was out there and this gentleman, I said, hey, brother, how you doing? Or whatever. I don't think I said, brother, hey, how you doing? We started talking, ministered to him, prayed for him. I said, hey, stop. I'm going to get a Bible. I think I was leaving. I said, I'm going to get you a Bible. It's like two or three years ago now. And so I gave him that Bible. Two weeks ago, that guy came to this service. And he said, I hadn't seen this guy since then. I hadn't talked to this guy since then. He said, Pastor, that Bible you gave me, I read it every day. I looked, that thing was marked up. It was pink and yellow highlighter. He said, I read this Bible. And I knew he was telling the truth. He had, I, look, the whole thing was marked up. He said, I read this Bible you gave me. And guess what that brother did? He gave 19 $100 bills to our building front, front last week or the week before. Probably last week. 19 $100 bills. And I say, bless you, brother. May the Lord bless you if you're watching today. Because he gives online. I won't tell you who it is. But I say, bless you. Anyone that gives to God, God is going to bless them. Come on, amen. I tell you, when we pray in that name above every name, that name of Jesus, miracles start happening. God's will starts coming. Not our will, but when we pray in the name of Jesus, God's will comes forth. So when we prayed this morning, that wasn't empty air we were breathing. We were praying, and God was in heaven hearing us. He was pleased. And who knows what's going to happen, but I believe his will will take place. Come on, we're trusting him. 
You know what else happens? Demons are cast out. Demons are cast out. You know demons are real? Some of you encounter demons without even knowing them, wondering why things are so hard, why, why you feel so oppressed. That's not just an emotion. That's an outside entity. That's a person without a body. They're called demons in the Bible. And the Bible said this, these signs will follow those who believe. Everybody say, in my name. Come on, in my name. Say it again, in my name. Here's what we'll do. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will cast out demons. There's power in the name of Jesus over demons. We have no power on our own, but it's in that wonderful, glorious name of Jesus. Hear me, dear ones. When Jesus came out of the tomb on the third day, he rose as the victorious Lord over every principality and power, and we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places right now, and he loves us today, and he's going to give us victory in his name. Shout amen. Amen. All right. Here's the second thing. I only have 15, so we're not getting... No, I'm kidding. I don't really... Here's the second thing. It's always going to happen. These are not vague, generic things I'm telling you about. First of all, Jesus is always exalted to his proper place. Here's the second thing. Write down the word character. The Holy Spirit always, always leads us into a holy life. Repentance is not only the, a part of the initial gospel call, but it should be a part of our continued walk and abiding life in Christ Jesus. What were the first words Jesus said? Now, not, not when he was 12, but when he, when he started his ministry. First words, here they are. I'm going to read them to you. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Oh, boy, this is going to be good news. What, what is this good news? Here's what he said. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Everybody say repent. Repent and believe the good news. Faith and repentance are always, always part of the gospel call. It's not just believe, but it's repent and believe. It's it's turning to God from idols, in Thessalonians says. When Peter preached his initial message, he said this in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to stay long here because I, I could preach a whole message here, but I want to tell you this. The work of the Spirit is a work of sanctification. There's a war going on in your life. Holy Spirit's warring against sin. He's warring against carnal attitudes. He's warring against, in, the, in all of our lives, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit lusts against the flesh. There's a war that you're going to have, and the main war is going to be with yourself, not your enemy or not some lost person down the road or whatever, or the woke folks of the world. The greatest battle you will ever have is the person in the mirror. To yield yourself completely to God. And the, the work of the Spirit is a sanctifying work. He's sanctifying you. He's working, your, working in your life. And so I'm going to leave that there. I'll come back later. Here's the third thing. And that write this word down. Call. C-A-L-L. Call. C-A-L-L. Call. The Holy Spirit calls us to missions and evangelism. The Holy Spirit calls us to world missions. Now listen to me. Jesus said, go, go. 
Go into all the world and proclaim, preach the gospel to all creation. The word is go. The Holy Spirit will lead to mission. We have an illustration of this. Paul and Silas and these ministers were in a worship service. And they were actually, it says they were ministering to the Lord. And I think that is just what it means. They were just together as prophets and teachers and, and, and ministers. And they were worshiping God. And they were saying, God, we love you. And they're ministering to him. And in the middle of that, I think a prophet spoke. And it was a real prophet. Because here's what it says. Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, called Simon called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manaean, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now notice this. The Holy Spirit said. How do you think he said that? Was there a voice from heaven? I don't think so. I think God inspired one of the gifted prophets. And they said, this is what I feel like the Spirit is saying to me. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed and placed their hands on them, they sent them off and the two of them went on their way by the Holy Spirit. Notice that. The Holy Spirit calls us to missions. He calls us to, to evangelism. They went down to Seleucia and they sailed from there to Cyprus. Listen, the Holy Spirit calls us to world missions. He's calling Brother Grayson. He's itinerating right now. Other missionaries. And our movement is very much involved in missions. And if the Lord speaks to you to give an offering for our fire Bibles, we as a church have made a $3,500 commitment. If God speaks to you to do that, I know that will be of the Lord. Why? Because he wants to get that out so that we can be effective ministers of the gospel in, in places around the world. God calls the church to have a vision for world missions. But God also, the Holy Spirit also calls us into personal witness. That means this. It says that the angel of the Lord in Acts 8, this is Acts 8, 26, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, which is desert, go down to Jerus from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he went and he met an Ethiopian and an important official in charge of all the treasure of Kendrake, which means queen of Ethiopians. The man, who had, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and the spirit told him. Notice this. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near to it. Now we know the rest of the story that he, he begins to interpret. And what does he do? He preaches Christ to him. He says that in Isaiah 53, that's speaking of Christ, the Messiah. And he told them about the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And the man said, here's water. What forbids me to be baptized? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be baptized. And he was. And then what happened? Philip was caught away to a town called Azosis, I think it was. I mean, that's some powerful stuff going on there. What I'm saying Holy Spirit cares about your neighbors. He cares about your family. He cares about lost people around us. And if we don't tell them, who will? Do you think the people that were in the bar last night, they're going to tell them? Hmm? You think the party, you think lost people, who's going to tell them? Are, are we not the body? Are we not God's mouthpiece? 
It's not, it's not the church prophetic as a whole that we all go out and we can share Christ everywhere we go. When the Holy Spirit is manifest in the church, we have a, we have a burden. It's more than about our blessing. It's about lost people that are really lost. And if Holy Spirit is really in us and with us, this will be important to us. We'll give calls for salvation as Holy Spirit leads us. We'll tell our friends about the Lord. Now think about this. Why are you here today? Let me say it another way. How did you get here today? Don't take any credit for it. It wasn't yours. The Holy Spirit spoke to someone. He dealt with someone. It might have been your mom or dad. It might have been Sunday school teacher. I know somebody, I can't remember who in this church, was brought to church on a bus years ago as a little girl. Somebody was telling me that, and they got saved. Oh, I know who it was, Sister Glenda. She's home recovering from surgery. Sister Glenda, so they brought her to church, if I'm not mistaken, on a bus to an Assemblies of God church. Why? Somebody had a care for souls. That's a quality and a characteristics that the Holy Spirit is genuinely, genuinely on a people. We care about souls. We care about their eternity. Now I have to conclude this. Here's the fourth thing that I see. I've skipped some of these, but listen. The Holy Spirit strengthens the church in times of trouble, in times of struggle. The church of the first century is in a life or death struggle. I mean, they were religiously persecuted. They were, they were civilly persecuted and assaulted. How are they going to survive? How are they going to make it? They have no money to speak of, you know, too much. Socially outcast, this new sect, so to speak. And notice what what happened. Persecuted, put in prison. These men come back out of prison, out of threat from the civil authorities. And they have a prayer meeting. And notice what happens when they have a prayer meeting. Notice what God's answer was. Acts 4, 29, oh Lord, uh, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak the word of God with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the second time this happened. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. You see God's answer? God's answer was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It just brought such comfort and such strength and such endowment of power that it was greater than the struggle. It was greater than the persecuting. It was greater than the threats of the civil authorities. The Spirit of God was in the church. The prophet said, it's not by might or power, but it's by my Spirit. And Jesus said, you're going to receive power After the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit is in a church, it's a strong church. It's a church that can weather storms and difficulties and disappointments and trials and assaults of the enemy. Why? Because the enemy cannot stop a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled church. And the Bible says this, be strong in the Lord and in the power. His might. I want you to stand. I worship you.